Welcome, welcome, welcome. I would like to welcome you to episode 382 of the Unpopular Podcast. This is the man, the myth, the legend, Jane LaHunter. And here at the Unpopular Podcast, not only ask you to agree with me, I'm asking you to hear me out. I want to first say happy holidays, happy Thanksgiving, happy Black Friday. I don't know if, if you celebrate Thanksgiving or not, which is why I kind of say happy holidays. I wasn't able to record on Saturday. I was just incredibly busy with, you know, work and everything. But I hope everyone had a splendid Thanksgiving or splendid holidays if you were able to spend time with your family. I hope you were able to get everything that you wanted for Black Friday and Cyber Monday, even though it really weren't no deals. They were just like 20% off, 25% off. To me, that's not really a deal. If you think about it, 20% off is just $2 if you pay $10. You know what I mean? So whatever. I just hope that everyone was able to enjoy their families and and everyone was able to have a great holiday. And I hope everyone that is getting ready for Christmas is doing so with their families, I guess. But where we will start this episode is simple. The game. One of the biggest reasons why people love college football and college sports so much is because they take the little things more seriously than the professionals. When you incorporate money to anything, a lot of the times the product starts to get a tad bit saturated because you're in you're you're in you're including money. Now, I I am someone that I'm all for athletes getting paid. I think if you bring financial gain to a organization, to an institute, to a school, you deserve to be paid for your services. But one thing about college that we love so much is the attention to the little things, meaning rivalries. If you really think about it, there are rivalries in sports, in basketball, football, like the Steelers and Ravens, huge rivalry. Washington and Dallas, huge rivalry, obviously. If you go to the NBA, you have the Lakers and the Celtics. You have, that's pretty much the the biggest rivalry in, in, in basketball. But even in those, it doesn't feel the same. Now, yes. That could obviously be because, you know, one team for all these rivalries are much better than the other. Like the Cowboys at this point are much better than the command or Washington. As we've seen this year, the Ravens have been better than the Steelers. The Lakers, I mean, Celtics are much better than the Lakers, in my opinion. But in college, those rivalries are more coveted. Hell, there's a whole thing in college football called rivalry week. And Rivalry Week pretty much boils down to the game. And that game is, of course, Michigan and Ohio State. Now, I'm going to talk about the games that happened, you know, last Thursday, last Friday, because I wasn't able to talk about it on Saturday's pod. Obviously, I didn't have it. So I'm going to talk about it briefly. But you know how big a game is. When we talk about the preparation for the game and when we talk about or, or you know the magnitude of a game when you hear the verbiage and the rhetoric that spewed after the game, right? Michigan 
beat the Ohio State thirty to twenty four, and it was a, it was a great game. It was a defensive game. There were some great offensive moments, obviously, to get to thirty and to twenty four, but ultimately Michigan won. Now, Michigan didn't have Jim Harbaugh on the sidelines. Of course, he was he was doing or he was he was serving his the th- the third game of his three game suspension and when we talk about rivalries right a lot of times people don't care about nothing else but that rivalry game i feel that way sometimes when i look at washington i don't really care i know washington isn't a a top franchise you know I, I know Washington at least at this point isn't a top tier franchise but I say yo I don't care if we go what 16 and 0 or 16 or 2 and 16 that two better be against the Cowboys that's how fans feel in college that gets amplified Michigan one of the biggest reasons why Ohio State in recent or in recent history has dominated this rivalries because of recruiting. Recruiting shapes college basketball, college sports, college football, college anything. You can't you do not have a good program if you don't have good recruiting. At the end of the day, yes, players or coaches can think that they're important, which they are, don't get me wrong. But if you can't get the players then you're not going to thrive. You're not going to be good at your, you're not going to be good. You're not going to be able to have a advantage. You're not going to be at, you're not going to be able to stay afloat competitively. And for the longest, Ohio state has been killing Michigan in recruiting. I mean, think about it. I know a lot of people don't think when, when you think college sports and you think college football in general, the hope, obviously, is to go to the league. But there are some people that play that obviously don't have that luxury to be able to go. Imagine one of those, you know, an offensive lineman from Michigan has to look over and you have Chase Young. You have Nick Bosa. You have, like, you have to deal with that. And then you also have chemistry class the next day. You know what I'm saying? Recruiting for Ohio State has been great, you know. You've also had Urban Meyer, and they've had a rich history, at least recent history, as far as getting a leg up on this rivalry. And you know how you know that this rivalry is is huge and this rivalry is impactful? Michigan beat Ohio State, and Ryan Day is considered one of the best coaches actually let me not let me let me try Ryan Day right he has one of the best records in college football right now i think outside of michigan he's like 50 51 in in 1 or 54 and 1 or something like that but he is i think 1 in 2 in the last 3 games against michigan People are calling for his job. And there's a good shot that he might lose his job after this. Remember when Jim Harbaugh couldn't win the big game and they were trying to get him fired? 
because it's like we didn't bring you here to win 10 11 games we didn't bring you here to compete for a college championship we brought you here to win the game and that's how a lot of michigan and ohio state fans feel while yes at the end of the day everyone wants to win a national championship your goal is to win the game that's bragging rights that's the game the same is kind of felt when we talk about college basketball with North Carolina and Duke. While, yes, national cha- you want national championships, and of course Ohio State and Michigan want national championships, but, yo, if you can't beat, you can beat Miami, you can beat Louisville, you can beat NC State, you can beat any team. If you can't beat Duke, what are you doing? And... Going back to Ohio State, Michigan, people are people are openly hoping that Ryan Day gets fired. A coach that has been incredible for Ohio State. They just haven't won. They've lost, what, the last three, I think, games against Michigan. And Michigan and, and Michigan and Ohio State are in a are in a place un they're not used to in recent memory. And that is Michigan is just flat out better than Ohio State. When we talk in almost every facet of the game. Now, yes, Ohio State has the best player right now out of both of them in Marvin Harrison Jr. But it's very it for the for again we're talking about recent recent history it's been very rare to be on the Michigan side and you have the bigger players you have the faster players you have the better recruiting you have the better coach again all this matters in college Hell, all this matters in sports in general. If you're playing and you got the biggest player, the fastest player, the best shooter, the best quarterback, you're going to have an advantage. And for the last few years, Michigan has been dominating Ohio State in recruiting. They've been dominating Ohio State in retaining players and the transfer portal. Like, you look, the numbers don't even tell the, the story. Kyle, Kyle McCord had 271 yards. J.J. McCarthy only had 148, but he had the timely plays. And McCord also had two interceptions. Look, I don't, I don't think that Ohio State's trash. Of course, they were. I mean, they ranked, they were ranked second, and Michigan was third. And I don't think that Michigan is so, is that much better or I don't think Michigan is leaps and bounds better than Ohio State but what I do think is people take the game very seriously especially if you're a Michigan Ohio State fan and you know that's the case because now people want Ohio State's head coach fired after losing I think three straight times against Michigan, even though he has a winning record against anybody else in college football, I think they want him out. Shouts out to Michigan for beating Ohio State in the game. And it's very interesting, man. Ohio State losing and 
a lot of chaos happening during rivalry week. I mean, Alabama beat Auburn in the most <laughs> in the most crazy way possible. Oregon is that they're going to go against Washington in the Pac-12 championship on Friday. That's going to be a huge game. I think the winner of that obviously makes it to the college football playoffs. Jordan Travis breaking or hurting himself and out for the season. That's going to end. And, of course, Florida State having to play Louisville in the ACC championship. There's a lot of people hoping Louisville or Louisville wins so they don't have to make a decision about Florida State. What what happens with what happens with Texas if Alabama beats Georgia in the SEC championship and Texas wins the Big Ten? Like what 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 do they do? I think I know Paul Feinbaum was saying it, but this could be the first year where there is not an SEC team in the Final Four, and I think that that will. Pr- <laughs> While it could happen, and honestly, it possibly should happen if Georgia loses, I just don't see how the committee, I don't see how college football will let that happen. I mean, it is widely known that the SEC is the best conference in football. But, again, what do you do? If Georgia loses to Alabama, Alabama lost to Texas, if Texas wins the Big Ten championship, like, what do you do? And then of what happens if Oregon beats Washington? So, I don't know, man. The committee, for, I think Sunday is going to be a huge day in college football. And it could be a historic day because this could be the first year where there's not an SEC team in the college football playoffs. Now, I honestly don't think that's going to happen. But I think that right now, I, I don't foresee it. I know Iowa has... I've obviously been better than expect or been better than their team and better than their record or not as good as their record, but I don't foresee them beating Michigan after, of course, Michigan gets Jim Harbaugh back. And they just right now you see the light at the end of the tunnel. And I do like what most of the players were saying after the Michigan game. They're pretty much saying, well, yeah, we beat Ohio State. Our goal is to win a national championship. So. I don't think that there's going to be any slippage, any any letdown against Iowa. So I've, Sunday is going to be a very historic day. We'll talk about it a little bit again on Saturday's episode. But, yeah, shouts out to Michigan for beating Ohio State. Let me uh, – let's go over to the NFL. And, again – we're going to briefly talk about all the games on Thursday, you know, for Thanksgiving. We'll talk about Friday, Black Friday and everything, or the Black Friday game with Miami and the Jets. But where I want to start is this. I come in here all the time. <laughs> it's no question that I obviously am an avid supporter of African-Americans. <laughs> like, I'm black. Come on. For the people that think I'm not black because I see, I heard a lot for the Carissa Thompson video. I heard a I've seen a lot of people pretty much call me white. I'm not, <laughs> but here at the Unpopular Podcast, we support anything black that, of course, deserves being supported. And I've talked about this on several occasions, and. 
I have been a very loud proponent of there needing to be more minorities, more African Americans, more women in the own, in ownership position, whether that's basketball, football, and so on and so forth. And I've said on this podcast on several occasions that there needs to be more African American and black representation when we talk about ownership. There is an owner in the NFL that is African American. And his name is David Tepper. He is the owner of the Panthers. I think he became the owner in 2018, I believe. And while I champion African Americans in ownership and champion African Americans in sports in general, and I know how important it is for representation in ownership, not just on the field or on the court. I have to be honest about what we're seeing. Not everyone, black, white, anything, not everyone has excelled in their job. I can be, I can be a, a, a advocate for black people in in higher positions, but you have to excel in those positions and you have to be good in those positions or you're going to get what we're seeing in Carolina. So Carolina fired Frank Reich. Halfway through the season with a rookie quarterback, you fire your head coach. And the reason why I kind of started with David Tepper and ownership is because this is like their sixth coach, I believe, since 2018, since David Tepper has be has or has has ownership, let's say, of the Carolina Panthers. Let me first say, I'm not, I don't think, I've said this before, there are people that are better at head coaches, or there, there are people that are better at coaching positions compared to like coordinators. For instance, Nathaniel Hackett, I think that Nathaniel Hackett is much better as a coordinator than he is at a head coach. And I... I understand a lot of people praise what Frank Reich did and his contributions to the Philadelphia Eagles for ultimately winning a Super Bowl and his work with Nick Folk and every or uh, not Nick Folk. um, Nick Foles, I'm sorry. And I understand it. I understand why people think that Frank Reich is a perfect candidate for to be a head coach. I am of the belief and of the mindset that you have to show me before I can just anoint you something. Again, there's a difference between being a coordinator and being a head coach. There's different responsibilities. There's different heat that you get once you lose something. Now, 
There were obviously reports of saying that Frank Reich was also supportive of the firing. He didn't really want to be the head coach anymore of the Carolina Panthers. But to to me, the issue is much deeper than just a Frank Reich issue. Adam Schefter went on ESPN and said that Every year, there's about six or seven, five, six or seven coaching openings a year, or every off season. People get fired, people get let go. This and the third, and he would bet the over this year. Now we know that there's multiple teams that could be out of a coach. Uh, Washington, Ron Rivera, his days might be numbered when we talk about head coaching job. Uh, Brandon Staley for the Chargers possibly Bill Belichick and the Patriots. You know, but this goes or this this is a much deeper representation of a team. Let's not get it confused, man. David Tepper has not done a good job with the Carolina Panthers. The fact that since 2018, you've had, I think, six head coaches, now seven starting next year, is insane. On top of that, you have a rookie quarterback. While, yes, I think that, and this is no, obviously, nothing that he could do, but I think that C.J. Strout was also a factor of Frank Wright getting fired. Because you see how good C.J. Strout has been playing compared to how how poor Bryce Young, who was ultimately the number one overall pick, they traded up to get him. And David Tepper even doubled down, I think, yesterday and said that he was the right choice. Okay, cool. But I think that C.J. Strout being much better than we thought he would be in a much faster rate than Bryce Young, I think that definitely was a factor in Frank Wright being fired. And while I have my doubts and my issues about Frank Wright being a head coach, I think I can honestly say that Frank Wright, in my opinion, didn't deserve to be fired. Well, yes, I understand that it was it was as painted as it was mutual. I don't think he deserved to be fired because look at this Carolina Panthers team. I understand that maybe a year or two ago we were saying how that that would be a destination and that is a team that could possibly all you might be a quarterback or a piece or two away from contending for a Super Bowl or contending in at least the NFC South. But look at this team. The offensive line, that's probably arguably the worst offensive line in football. You don't really have any weapons on the outside. I don't think Adam Thielen hasn't really worked out. The defense is okay, but 
kind of like we say a lot with these type of teams, defense plays so much because the offense just can't keep up. And, of course, you have Bryce Young, who has been much slower to developing than you thought he would be. None of that is Frank Wright's fault. Now, yes, I do think that Frank Wright has his issues. And I don't know if he is good enough to be a head coach, as we saw what's happening with the Colts. But even in that, I look and say, okay, well, look what the Colts gave him. You had an aging Matt Ryan. Like, you, you had Nick Foles. Like, what, what, what are we doing? I think this, and this is where I'll end, because I think just two years ago, two or three years ago, we were saying that the Carolina Panthers is a ideal destination to go. And we also said that, of course, when we talk about head coaching, obviously. And we also said that, shouts out to Adam Schefter, he said that six to seven head coaching positions more than likely will be open this offseason. Well, I think when we talk about all the teams that could get a head coaching job, I think the Carolina Panthers are one of the last, like not even close to a, a head coaching destination because of the impulsiveness of David Tepper. And while I come in here and champion African-Americans in managerial roles and ownership roles, I also have to be fair and say, if you you haven't been doing the best job, bro. Impulsive is the last thing, the last title that you want as an owner, especially an owner with a job position opening. Oh, yes, yeah, somebody's obviously going to take the head coaching job because people are confident in themselves and there's always that one person that thinks that I can change something around but that's very hard to do when you have an owner that is as impulsive as David Tepper six coaches in what in five years is crazy especially with a rookie quarterback which is also the fear that you run into as a rookie and as a as an NFL player, as a basketball player. We talk about this all the time. Fit matters. And I'm not saying that if you put Bryce Young on the Chiefs, he'd be Patrick Mahomes. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is it's important who you're getting paired with as far as a, a, a coach, an ownership Offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator. That's important. Because any one of those are off. You have a situation. You have a Carolina Panther situation on your hands. 
This is obviously coming after, of course, the Panthers yet again lose to a team that they shouldn't have lost to. I know the records say it, but the Titans aren't that good this year. The Titans have issues of their own. I understand that uh this 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 topic and, and this is of course in closing with this situation. This topic isn't mainly about Frank Reich getting fired. While of course that is the linchpin and that's what we're talking about. What we are what we're pretty much actually talking about is how ownership can ruin a good thing can ruin a situation and can how ownership can play a major part and honestly the biggest part in the development of a team of course you need the players you need the coaches you need the coordinators you need the gm nothing goes down without ownership say so and as we've seen a once well no i'm not gonna say a storied franchise but once a great destination to go to is now probably one of the worst destinations to go to with everything going on and on top of that now that i think about it and this honestly will be the last thing i say about this topic another reason why the this the the panthers aren't a great destination is because unrealistic expectations are now put onto the next coach Again, C.J. Stroud plays a huge part in this. Obviously, he. what can you do? You want to play as good as you can. But C.J. Stroud playing this good put – and Bryce Young being the number one overall pick put huge expectations on his shoulders. And now you're expecting – David Tepper expects the next head coach to pretty much, quote-unquote, fix Bryce Young. But what if that doesn't happen? What if Bryce Young is is slow to develop? What if Bryce Young does, looks the same next year as he did this year? That means your coaching reign is the life expectancy of your coaching reign is is or coaching life at for the Carolina Panthers is pretty much tied to the development or possibly lack thereof of Bryce Young because of what we're seeing. From C.J. Stroud. Yeah, man, it's, it's it's tough, man. It's tough. It's tough. But let's move forward. Let's talk about again this game. These games happened last Thursday, so I'm not going to talk about them for long. Uh, the Green Bay Packers beat the Detroit Lions 29 to 22. Now, all of this, in my opinion has everything to do with the the Detroit Lions and why the it's very hard to this game right here is a representation or the perfect representation of why it's so hard to trust the Detroit Lions. I understand all the factors saying that it's Thanksgiving uh, which is pretty which has been pretty much the Detroit Lions Super Bowl for majority of their career or majority of their their lifespan i understand this is a divisional game against the green bay packers and everybody plays better against divisional game you know divisional opponents 
But this right here is why it is very hard to quote unquote crown the Detroit Lions as a Super Bowl caliber team. They have all the functions. They have everything that you need to contend for a Super Bowl, right? You have the 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 ideal weapons. Amon St. Brown, you have Gibbs, you have Montgomery, you have a you have the pieces. You have the a good defense, Aiden Hutchinson. Like you, you have the pieces. But you lose games like this. Now, mind you, the Green Bay Packers have been struggling majority of this year. Going into Thursday, they were four and six. And the Detroit Lions got bullied. And Jared Goff was the was Jared Goff, man. Look here, I, I'm not gonna put much stock into it. It's just one game, obviously, and the Detroit Lions are still obviously eight and three. But you see games like this. You see games like when they lost like thirty. They lost like thirty points to the Ravens. You you don't know what you're. I understand. There's you have to know how to continuously win, and I know it's the NFL. I know any given Sunday or Thursday at this point, but yeah, this right that game right there against a strong yo, <laughs> it was bad. I know Jared Goff threw for three hundred and thirty two yards, but obviously it didn't matter. So, shouts out to the Green Bay Packers for beating the Detroit Lions. The Washington. Um, the Washington Commanders lost to the Dallas Cowboys 45-10. to Now, I'm more shocked at the fact that as we're sitting here today, you know what, actually, so at the aftermath of this game, Jack Del Rio was fired as the offensive coordinator for the Washington Commanders. And the firings that happened, or the firing, just one, that happened after this game told me everything I needed to know about the future moving forward for Washington. A lot of people, including myself, was expecting Ron Rivera to get fired after this game. And the fact that it didn't told me two things. It told me not only Ron Rivera more than likely is going to be fired after the season, like they don't want to just disrupt or completely blow up the season for some reason. But it also told me that Eric Bieniemy is not going to be the head coach next year. I could be wrong, but I don't I don't think I'm wrong. You see, you would if if Eric Bieniemy was going to be the head coach for the Washington Commanders next year, you would have fired Ron Rivera the same exact time you fired Jack Del Rio because you want to slap the interim head coach title on Eric Bieniemy, And you want to give him kind of like they did Jeff Saturday. You want to give him sort of a a runway of, we're, OK, now we're going to see if your head coach material. A lot of people think you're head coach material, but we're going to actually see if you are. So we're going to give you to the end of the season and see if the Washington Commanders have life so that 
during this offseason if we feel that you've done enough or you're good enough to be to continue to be the head coach of a team we will remove the interim head coach and give you a long-term contract that's what a smart organization would do especially when you have pretty much half or less than half of a season to go but the fact that they didn't hire or they didn't fire Ron Rivera tells me that it looks like they're going to clean house next or this offseason. Now, yes, that obviously could also mean that Ron Rivera is going to remain the head coach, but I doubt it. Especially when you start firing coordinators. So this game... This game, this game told me, and the, the stuff that happened after the game obviously told me that I don't think, which sucks for Eric being to me. It sucks. Because you hitched your ride to a broken wagon. I get it. I understand you feel, and a lot of people feel that you should have been, got a head coaching opportunity. But it's it sucks that you... And and I I get it also, you know, it's kind of hard to stay with the Kansas City Chiefs because you're never going to get the credit that you probably feel that you deserve because at the end of the day, everyone's going to credit the greatness of Patrick Mahomes. Everyone's going to credit the greatness of the offensive schemes of Andy Reid. No one's ever going to give Eric Bieniemy the credit. So I understand you go to Washington and Washington – as quiet as it is, Sam Howell has been he's been okay. He's been pretty good. I think he's amongst, you know, top ten, I think, in passing yards. Maybe even top five. I know at one point he was leading. I don't know where it is now, but he's been okay. It's just the offensive line has been terrible. And some of the play some of the this play calling in, in ideal moment or ideal situations or situations that they need something different has kind of been questionable, but I don't know, man. But, yeah, it's unfortunate that I don't think I could obviously be wrong. I just don't think after the moves that we've seen made after the Cowboys just destroyed. Yo, it was so bad that Dak Prescott was eating turkey midway through the game, midway in the third quarter. Oh, side note. Side note. Shouts out to the Joe Budden podcast. He says something that I kind of agree with. Um, I don't know how I, f- I I don't really like the visual of the whole turkey eating thing. You know, it just especially when we talk about the history of. African-Americans and eating it. Now, I understand it's not just an African-American thing, but I just think it's crazy that it's just a it's just a weird look, you know? It's just a, I don't think it's the best look, us devouring a turkey after after a game. You know, it's, it's weird. But back to it. Shouts out to the Cowboys for being the Washington Commanders, and unfortunately, I just don't think after Ron Rivera didn't get fired and only Jack Del Rio did, I just don't think that, uh, that Eric Bieniemy will be the head coach, unfortunately. Uh, moving forward, the 
San Francisco 49ers destroyed the Seahawks 31 to 13. The game, man, the game is this week. This sun or I think it's Sunday or Monday. That is the game. The Eagles against the 49ers, man. That that is when we're really going to see how good the 49ers are and honestly how good the Eagles are. Uh, the Seahawks <laughs> it's it to me it was levels, man. And the Seahawks aren't bad, but to me, there's the Seahawks and then there's the 49ers. And while the Seahawks have been good and have shown have been shown that they could play at that level, they haven't done it consistently. So, you know, but shouts out to the 49ers for beating this the the Seahawks. To me, the 49ers. I mean, Christian McCaffrey had two touchdowns, 114 yards. Debo Samuel had a touchdown. Brandon Ayuk had a touchdown. Like, come on, man. This is this is the best roster in football from top to bottom. I'm not going to ultimately say the best team right now, even though, to me, they are kind of playing like the best team. But this is the best roster in football. And everything clicks the way that it could click. This is obviously a Super Bowl not even caliber team. This is a Super Bowl championship type team. Like, there's difference between people that could make the Super Bowl and could win it. Um, the 49ers can definitely win it. But shouts out to them for beating the Seahawks 31-13. And <laughs> the Miami Dolphins, um, the black, the first Black Friday game, I think, in NFL history, the Miami Dolphins beat the – Beat the Jets thirty-four to thirteen. Nothing to nothing. Even though two, Tua did have two interceptions, one touchdown. Raheem Morse had two touchdowns. You know, Tim Boyle. You know the the Jets are in a bad place, man. I think that's what what, what I kind of got from this game. The Jets are in a bad place and need some type of changing. I, and when I say that, I don't, I obviously don't mean just getting Aaron Rodgers back. Like this, this, there's much bigger problems than Aaron Rodgers. They don't have a backup quarterback right now. That's that's competent. They don't have a good offensive line, especially with Makai Becton going out. And even with McConaughey back then, they haven't had the bet. They they have not had a good offensive line. Their wide receivers outside of Garrett Wilson haven't been really good. Alan Lazard was a healthy inactive against with a team that needs wide receiver support. Brees Hall is good, but they whiffed on Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook had one carry for two yards the entire game. Um. Their defense is good, but it hasn't been great, as great as we thought it would be. This team just has a lot of issues, and I don't know if Aaron Rodgers coming back. Aaron Rodgers coming back is a huge solution, but not the not a solution that will just change it all. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. Yeah. And the Dolphins – we know what they can be if they flip the switch. But we also I also need to see what they look like again, kinda like the Cowboys, against a team that's over five hundred. 
because I don't think I think neither the Cowboys or the or the Dolphins have a win against a team over five hundred. So, but shout out to the Dolphins for beating the Jets, thirty four to thirteen. Now let's talk about some of the games on Sunday, and let's start with the with the biggest game in my opinion. That was the Eagles beating the Buffalo Bills 37 to 34. I don't know if I have yet. Let me first preface this by saying I don't know if I've done it yet. But I ha- I think I am close to coming around to saying that the Eagles are the best team in college and not college in football. I know I just said I think the 49ers, but again, this game, the game this week against the Eagles and 49ers is huge. But everything, the, the Eagles have been so interesting to watch. And what do I mean by that? This Eagles, the way that they've been playing, doesn't warrant a 10-1 record. They've struggled. They've been down, I think, the last five weeks at half and came back. They have one of the toughest schedules remaining in one of the toughest schedules this year. Jalen Hurst is injured. They lost so many pieces on the defensive side of the ball. Yet and still, Jalen Hurts, I think as we currently speak, leads the league or is the leading vote getter for the MVP or odds on favorite to win the MVP. They have one of the best defensive or offensive lines in football and defensive lines in football. They have one of the best. Now, their secondary kind of gives up a lot. But this team should not be this good. And I'm giving I'm, I'm, I'm giving credit where credit is due. I thought that they would plummet after... The uh, after their bye week, because they had a gauntlet of like they had to who did they they had to play so many tough teams, man. And I'm like, yeah, they're it's nah, nah, they they but they've done they've done in fact since their bye week, right. They played the Kansas City Chiefs, the Bills. Now they have to play the 49ers. They have to play the Cowboys. They have to play the Seahawks. And they have to, like, like come on. That, that is that is a, a gauntlet. And right now they're 2-0. And Jalen Hurts has been incredible. He's been the best. He's been great, even though he is hurt. And the Eagles, this again, this is also the second time in a row where they look like dog crap the first half and then come out and Jalen Hurst just puts him on the back and say, all right, let's get it. I don't have much. There's not much else I can say except congratulations and shouts out to the Eagles, man. They, 
I think I need if they beat the 49ers on I think it's Sunday or or Monday night fo- or Sunday night football or something like that. If they beat the 49ers, I'm ready to crown them as the best team in football. But right now they're damn close. They might be two. And the conversation for the Bills coming out this game is, is Josh Allen great? Now, I had to sit here and think about that question. Is Josh Allen great? The only way to answer that question is you have to define what you think great is. Does attributes make you great? Does accomplishments make you great? You have to answer that for yourself. So let me answer it for myself. I think Josh Allen, when we talk about physical talent and we talk about just God-given talent, I think that Josh Allen is amongst one of the top quarterbacks in football. The way that he's able to run the ball, the way that he has a cannon of an arm, his size, his strength, there's not many many quarterbacks better than Josh Allen. But I think that's just it, and that's kind of where it stops. Josh Allen is 0-6 in overtime games. Josh Allen has never been to the conference finals or conference championship. Josh Allen continues to lose these games when you go up against people that you think are supposed to be his peers, whether that's Joe Burrow, whether that's Jalen Hurts, whether that's Patrick Mahomes. And if it wasn't for... What I know, if it wasn't for the defense just collapsing last year, he would have lost to Lamar Jackson. As a as a singular talent, Josh Allen is good, but to be great, you have to elevate your team in situations when you need to be elevated or when you need to elevate them, and he has yet to do that. They, Josh, they should have won this game. Josh Allen was the best player on the floor, on the field, the entire most of the game. Josh Allen played incredible most of the game, but that to me kind of encapsulates why I think he's not great. He's good. He's incredibly good, but. How many times are we going to say that Josh Allen was the best player on the field after they lost? And the issues that have scarred Josh Allen are still there. He still throws impromptu interceptions. And that last play where him and Gabe Davis, I'm not going to say it was on him, but you have to understand Gabe Davis ain't, ain't taking an option.
I don't think Josh Allen is great. I think he has the talent to be great. But that great to me, greatness has to you have to do show something. Kind of the same issue that I have with um with Justin Herbert. We'll talk about that in a second, but I think Josh Allen is really good. But until you start doing something, I don't I'm not saying it has to be a Super Bowl, but you can't keep losing games like this. And he does he loses games like this constantly. And the fact of the Buffalo Bills, I think, have one of the hardest, if not the hardest schedule in football, and they're 6-6. Six and six. They're 10th in the AFC. The Buffalo Bills that a lot of people came into the season saying they had the best roster and saying that they should be Super Bowl con- – they should be not even Super Bowl contenders. They should be Super Bowl favorites. They are 10th in the, we- in the Western – or 10th in the AFC right now. A shout out to the Philadelphia Eagles for beating the Buffalo Bills 37 to 34. I think another team that you can throw in the ring as best in the NFL right now is the Baltimore Ravens. Now, I understand when you look at their score on Sunday Night Football. They beat the Chargers 20 to 10. It's the Chargers. Their defense has been poor. And you only gave up 20 points. I think you the the score isn't indicative of how good the Ravens are looking. Their defense, I think they had four turnovers. The defense forced four turnovers. And the offense is starting to click. The offense is starting to play well. The offense is starting to pick it up. You're starting to – it's starting to be hard to game plan against the Ravens because they can beat you in a multitude of ways, not just Lamar Jackson dinking and dunking and Lamar Jackson running the ball. You have a bevy of running backs. You have Obel Beckham Jr. finally starting to you know catch fire. You have – Say Flowers starting to catch fire. Rashad Bateman is starting to be more reliable. While, yes, you did lose Mark Andrews, likely is looking good. This Ravens team is starting to be incredibly tough to game plan against. Now, yes, I do want to see a better output and a better look as far as scoring in the second half and scoring in the red zone. But this Ravens team looks good. And this Ravens team, to me, I mean, yes, I understand record-wise they're the best in the AFC, but I think if you look from top to bottom, they are probably the best team in the AFC, not just take the record out. And I would probably put them third when we talk about Eagles, 49ers, or 49ers-Eagles, and then the Ravens. And for the Chargers, I started. I talked about this a little bit last episode, man. I don't think Justin Herbert is the biggest reason why the Chargers are the way they are. I think Brandon Staley definitely needs to go. He's one of those coaches that should pro- or probably will not be here next year. 
But Justin Herbert is one of those people that also isn't great. He's good, and he has the talent. And that's not about Josh Allen. They have the talent to be great. They're, but but the greatness hasn't really hasn't amounted to. Yeah, they have singular accolades, and Justin Herbert has all these career as far as accuracy and passing yards and comebacks, and yeah, cool. But I'll ask, I'll ask this. When we talk about Josh Allen and when we talk about Justin Herbert, what is their marquee game? Like, what is their career-defying game? What is the game where you look and say, that is Josh Allen? That is Justin Herbert? A lot of people look at Josh Allen and say that that game was probably the game they played against in the playoffs against the Kansas City Chiefs. Well, they lost that game. Justin Herbert, you can say he had a he's had a multitude of comebacks, but he also what what else has he done? And I'm not turning on Josh or Justin Herbert. I'm not I'm not so I know last episode I pretty much was saying that this isn't his fault, which is not. And the issue with both Josh Allen and Justin Herbert, and I've said this on numerous occasions, they're not the problem, but they're not the solution. Or they haven't been a bigger solution than they're supposed to be. It's been tough. I think there's a lot wrong with the Chargers. And I think one of the only reasons why the Chargers would consider themselves as, or why... LA would consider the Chargers would consider themselves as one of the better coaching hires or coaching destinations it is only because of Justin Herbert and Keenan Allen. Joey Bosa continues to get hurt. Khalil Mack is good, but he's aging. That's it. Oh, you have Rashad Slater. He's good on the offensive line, but that's about it. Mike Williams continued to get hurt. Quentin, he, boy, in fact, I think he had another drop. Not as bad as the other one, but he had another drop. Quentin Johnston, one catch for seven yards. And they picked, they picked Quentin Johnston over Zay Flowers, who, if you want to go over and see what Zay did, Zay Flowers Five receptions for 25 yards, one touchdown, and one carry for 37 yards, one touchdown. Or t- So he had two touchdowns total. Shouts out to the Ravens for being the Chargers, man. Oof. <laughs> I don't have to stay long on this one. Uh, the Giants are riding a win streak at this point and beat the... Patriots 10 to 7. Yo, Mac Jones at this point of his career is not an NFL type quarterback. Or he's not an NFL quarterback. Mac Jones, now it could be the organization, I don't know, but Mac Jones has not shown the ability to be a starting quarterback or to be a quarterback in this league. 
again, I don't know if it's the organization. I would obviously need to see him in a different uniform. But I think that we have seen the last of Mac Jones in a New England Patriots uniform. People talk about the the Patriots way all the time. The Patriots way should be rebranded as Tom Brady's way. Not everyone's Tom Brady. And kind of like what we're seeing, fit, and I said this earlier and I've said this time, I'm never going to stop saying this, fit matters. Again, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that Mac Jones isn't an NFL quarterback. I'm not saying that Mac Jones career is over but what I'm saying is what we've seen in New England he is not or he has regressed to the point where he has not shown at least this year that he is capable of being a starting quarterback in the NFL multiple picks every single game he they're two and nine Bill Belichick's probably out of there Mac Jones has been awful Awful. Again, I know when they drafted him, he was skipping up to the thing. You thought, oh, that's that's a perfect type quarterback for Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots. Well, he sucks. I'm sorry. Let me let me. He has not been good, (laughs) to say the least. And quite as is kept. He hasn't even been good enough to be a, a backup quarterback. So I don't know where his place is in the NFL anymore. But again, you can go to a different organization and they can, they can I don't know. Hell, we were, I was pretty much the same thing. And people were pretty much saying the same thing about Geno Smith. And we see how Geno Smith looks in Seattle. So maybe just a change of scenery will help. But uh, right now, what we're seeing, nah. It's curtain. Bro, you lost a... You lost to a trope. You lost to Tommy DeVito. Like, come on, bro. Come on. Shouts out to the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers for finally getting over 400 yards in a game. First time they've done that in years. And this is also the first time they did it since firing Matt Canada. Hey, man, I'm not saying that this because <laughs> it's still kind of ugly to watch. But, hey, they got over 400 yards. They beat the Cincinnati Bengals 16-10. to 10. I think the, the talking point of this game was Deontay Johnson and how he just, he just gave up on a play. And that's the last thing. Not only is that the last thing you want to do, but that's the last thing that you want to show on camera. Like, it, it was bad. Um. Yeah, but shouts out to the Pittsburgh Steelers, man! Finally getting over 400 yards, uh, breaks their multiple year long streak. I'm not saying. I mean, they're seven and four. I'm not saying that they're now gangbusters. I'm not saying that they're now Super Bowl contenders. I'm not even saying that they're gonna make a deep run in the playoffs. But that Steelers team, even though it didn't look good. The Steelers team looked better on Sunday than they did majority all of this season. So, shouts out to them for beating the Bengals. 
A very exciting and a very eventful game was the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Houston Texans. A divisional round, a divisional game. The Texans are trying to catch the Jaguars in this game. If they would have won the game, they would have jumped the Jaguars in the AFC South standings. The Jaguars beat the Texans twenty four to twenty one. And this game was this game was great, man. Trevor Lawrence threw for 346 yards. C.J. Stroud threw for 304. I I kind of had that feeling again, man. If it wasn't for them missing the missing the field goal, it would have went to overtime. But you had two quarterbacks that played incredible, man, and it was an incredible game. I'm not gonna lie to you. Like I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, C.J. Stroud. Looks like he looks he, there wasn't much separation between CJ Stroud and Trevor Lawrence, honestly. And Trevor Lawrence and this Jacksonville Jaguars team is sneaky, one of the better teams in, in football. I think next week or two in two weeks, because next week I know the Ravens have a bye week, but I think in two weeks they have to. Uh, in two weeks, I know they play the. Nah, I'm just checking. Give me a second, guys. Uh, if I am correct or not, I am obviously not correct. But I know sure. I know one of these games, I have to see the Ravens. Uh, and I think that'll tell a lot. But yeah, Jacksonville and and the and the Houston Texans were great, man. And I don't know if the Houston Texans are going to make the playoffs or not, but. Because they have a tough schedule as well, uh, but man, I I enjoy the maturation of C.J. Stroud and how he he looks like a freaking veteran, man. He looks great, like, and I know they lost, obviously, but hey, I'm not gonna say C.J. Stroud could have been played better, but he's freaking great. So shouts out to the Jacks, and again, the Jacksonville Jaguars. They, <laughs> Travis Etienne, 20 carries for 56 yards. Uh, Christian Kirk, Calvin Ridley, both had 89 yards. Man, they, Zay, Zay Jones didn't play too, didn't play well, but hey, bro. This, this Jaguars team is good. Now, they need to be more consistent and, again, stop turning the ball over, which I don't oh know. Trevor Lawrence did throw an interception. But, uh, yeah, they've been good. So, shouts, shouts out to the Jaguars for beating the, for beating the Texans 24-21. I'm not going to sit on this long. But, pause. Whoa. But, quite as it's kept, the longest win streak in the NFL right now is the Denver Broncos. They just beat the the Cleveland Browns 29 to 12. And I'm not saying that Russell Wilson is back, but Russell Wilson is leaps and bounds better than he's been. He threw for 134 yards, one touchdown. He made timely plays. He didn't turn the ball over. He's been great. He has been great. And I, this team I know they have to play, I think, the Chargers a couple times and play a tough team or two, but they they have a very favorable schedule, and they could make the playoffs. If they make the playoffs, let me tell you something. 
if this Denver Broncos team makes the playoffs, that might be under consideration of the greatest comeback or greatest turnaround in NFL history. You know, that that would be crazy. Uh to start where they started, I think they were two and something, to now being six and five is crazy. Uh yeah. Shouts out to the Denver Broncos for beating the Cleveland Browns. Oh, and we do have to watch out for Miles Garrett, man. He did get hurt, and if he's out for any extended period of time, that is I think it's curtains for the the Cleveland Browns season anyways, seeing though Deshaun Watson's out, Nick Chubb got got out early in the season. But if Miles Garrett, who a lot of people consider to be an MVP candidate, if he is out, oh yeah, it's curtains. He's curtains. But uh shout out to the Broncos for beating the Cleveland Browns. Um the Colts beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers twenty seven to twenty. Baker Mayfield, you know what, man? There's nothing to talk about. <laughs> uh, Jonathan Taylor did run for two touchdowns, 15 yards, 91, or 15 carries, 91 yards. Uh, this was just a game of two teams that aren't that good. I know the Colts are 6-5, and five, but Tampa Bay Buccaneers are not good. Neither are the Colts, especially with Gardner Minshew. Um, Shouts out to them. And... The Kansas City Chiefs beat the Raiders 31-17. to It's just one team was much better than the other. Even though it was a slow start for the Kansas City Chiefs, they, I think it, Rasheed Rice is emerging as their number two option. Obviously, their number one is always going to be Travis Kelsey. But Rice had eight, care, eight receptions for 170 yards, one touchdown, they can't. I mean, they can't really trust Marquez Valdez Gailing. I think that he's he is pretty much. How do I say this? He he can't get out of his mind. I know the drops are are or the the drop last week and stuff, but he had one catch for eleven yard or for negative one yards. It's it's really it, if Rasheed Rice can emerge as the second option, then I don't have much concern for this team. And Isaiah Pacheco has been good, too. He had two touchdowns, but, yeah. That wide receiver core is still pretty pretty bad, pretty bad, outside of Travis Kelsey. So, But we'll see. And uh, the Rams beat the Cardinals 37-14. to you know, I don't know what the what direction the Rams are trying to go in. I, I don't know. Are they trying to tank? Are they trying to be good? Are they not trying to be good? I don't know because they they don't have the most favorite. They, I don't even know where the draft pick is, if they even have a draft pick. But they keep winning. I mean, there's five and six. They are under 500. But, you know, dang, I, don't, I don't know. I know uh, – Cameron Williams was good, 16 catchy, 16 carries for 143 yards. But uh yeah, I don't I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know the direction. I don't know the direction and for the Cardinals, man, the the team's not good. That's just what it is. And I think that there's going there has to be there has to be changes moving forward. Maybe how they approach the game, I don't know, but Carl, Kyler Murray was okay. 
27 for 45 for 256 yards, but obviously that wasn't enough. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's weird. It's weird. And the last game, I'm not even talking about this goddamn game. The Bears, that was – Yo, NFL primetime has been uh, – Yeah, it's been a tough, tough year for NFL primetime. I mean – I've seen the Jets a couple times in prime time, the Giants a couple times in prime time, the the Bears a couple times. It's been bad. And the Bears beat the Vikings 12 to 10 in prime time, Monday Night Football. And you saw why Joshua Dobbs is on, what, his fifth team in one year. He was terrible. He threw four interceptions. Now, some of them were bad and everything, but he threw four interceptions. At like going into the fourth quarter, it was it was bad, man. This both these teams aren't good at all. Uh, the just Justin Fields, he wasn't he was okay, twenty seven for thirty seven. But again, you only scored twelve points with DJ Moore on your team and Cole Komet and Khalil Herbert, you know, and Darnell Mooney. Yeah, and I know a lot of people. The question now is. And I, I kind of talked about this before, but what do you, do you draft Caleb Williams? Do you draft Justin Fields? Well, I don't know because I don't trust that the organization is going to be able to surround. Or I don't know, bro. I have no, I have no idea. Both these teams suck. The Bears. Shout out to the Bears for being the Vikings. And uh, there you have it, man. No. I forgot. Jesus Christ. Hold up. <laughs> the Falcons beat the Saints uh, 24 to 15. Derek Carr continues to. I don't. I don't. His red zone inefficiency and his red zone struggles that he saw all the way in the, in the Raiders. He's it's it's still here. Um, Yeah. And. We had a B. John Robinson sighting, nine ninety-one yards, uh, one cat or one touchdown, and he had thirty-two receiving yards and and a touchdown. So he had two. Like I don't understand why you weren't using him as much as you should have. But hey, shouts out to that. Yo, the Saints are five and six, and I think the Falcons lead. The NFC South at five and six. I went in there. I went into the season saying that the NF, NFC South was the worst, worst, worst conf division in football, and is holding true. But I also thought that the that the Saints were just gonna just destroy this division, and I was. Drastically wrong. Maybe, maybe what they were saying about Derek Carr is kind of true. Cause boy, that's crazy. Uh lastly, before we go, unpopular topic of the day. Russell Westbrook got into it with a fan. Now, this has happened on several occasions, but this just so happened to happen the other day. Just the most recent, let's say. 
Example. A fan said some pretty offensive things from what Russell Westbrook is saying. And he's not going to tolerate that. And I've said this before, and I will say this again. Fans have to understand. Just because you pay for something doesn't mean that you can say and do whatever you want. These are people at the end of the day. You know, athletes are people. I know that we don't look at them that way because they make an absorbent amount of money, but they're people. You can't just be talking to them no tight way because these people will react. You see Marcus Peters uh, have said something to the crowd. You saw, I forgot the player. I think it was on the Bills. Jordan Phillips, I think, he said something to a crowd this weekend. Like, people have lost the ability. Not people. A lot of people don't understand. They think that money warrants a decrease of respect like if i pay you this money i don't have to respect you and what you do and i don't think that's right and honestly you're not paying athletes the money you're paying to see them and i understand that there are opposing teams and okay but they're still people so respect people that's all i ask you know and there you have it this was a quick one today man um Thank you for tuning into the Unpopular Podcast. I truly appreciate you guys. Um, if you want an Unpopular Podcast shirt, hoodie, sweater, long sleeves, joggers, the link is in the description below. I have multiple different colors, multiple different designs. Get your Unpopular Podcast merch today. Also, please subscribe to wherever you're listening. Please subscribe to wherever you're watching. Uh, I'm definitely trying to get as many subscribers as possible on YouTube, and I can't do it without you guys' help. Tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend. If you get to this point of the episode and you're not subscribed, I, something might be wrong with you. You know what I'm saying? But I also say if you do get to this point of the episode, and you, that which means I guess you like it, tell a friend to subscribe if you know they're not subscribed. It means a lot. Uh, and also, follow the socials. Follow Instagram. Follow TikTok. I post pretty much daily. I did take a, a little bit of a break because, again, Thanksgiving, family, work. I, it was just a lot, but I'm back. And uh, yeah, until next time, much love. Mm-hmm.